This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Brian Kilmeade, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm Mike Emanuel. Fallout continues following a special counsel report which characterized President Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. Damaging politically when polls suggest a vast majority of the American people think he's too old to serve a second term in office. Regardless of politics, the president needs to be able to make critical decisions in a very short period of time. He can't be wandering around mentally. I'm Chris Foster. It's almost Valentine's Day and a lot of people are on their phones looking for love. People feel like dating apps aren't romantic and they're not supposed to be romantic. The romance and the true connection comes when you get offline. The, the dating apps are just the connection point. And I'm David Marcus. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The Senate was in for a rare Sunday session to hold a test vote on a $95 billion foreign aid bill to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. It passed easily 67 to 27, which means it is expected to receive final approval from the Senate in the coming days. Across the Capitol, the House is expected to start the week with a second attempt to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Florida Republican Congressman Byron Donalds predicts the GOP will be successful this time. Uh, we're going to put that on the floor. It's going to pass. And look, the Senate is going to have to take this up and they're going to have to deal with it. They just can't ignore it. They're going to have to decide one way or the other. Should Alejandro Mayorkas actually keep his job? Fallout continues from the Robert Hur special counsel report looking into President Biden's mishandling of classified documents. The report described President Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory, potentially so damaging politically that it forced a swift response from the president. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke Sunday for the first time since Mr. Biden made this comment. I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been... Um, over the top. Before their phone call, Netanyahu offered this reaction on Fox News Sunday. So what would America's response be? I'd say that it would be at least as strong as Israel's. And many Americans tell me we would have flattened them. We would have turned them into dust. Many Republicans are eager to express their unwavering support for Israel. In my opinion, President Biden has has done OK um, handling the Hamas attack on Israel since October. 
Louisiana Republican Congressman Clay Higgins is a U.S. Army veteran. However, if you do an okay job managing an international crisis, there's a, there's a tremendous room for failure. And that's the, the territory he's in right now. He's trying to play both sides of his uh, political realities, and, and that's not the way to approach this thing. I mean, Israel is our ally. They're the only democracy in the Middle East. Uh, they were attacked uh, brutally and viciously by terrorist forces, and they have the right to respond fully and wholly and thoroughly based upon their intelligence on the ground and um, and their needs as an, as a sovereign nation, and we should just stand by them essentially and say, uh, yes, sir, we are we are with Israel. Instead, President Biden has chosen this path of, um, on the one hand, messaging support mm-hmm. for Israel, and on the other hand, speaking to his liberal base who have amazingly come out in support of Hamas. It's it's. It's somewhat, you know, popular now amongst liberal youth, even across America, to to rally behind Hamas. And I didn't think I would see that in America, but but it has happened. Mm-hmm. So President Biden has done a very poor job by kneeling to those uh, voices that are coming from his own uh, factions of his own party as opposed to just standing strong with Israel, period. Another massive story in recent days, the release of special counsel Hur's report on President Biden's mishandling of classified documents. Some Republicans calling for the 25th Amendment to be evoked due to the descriptions of the president's poor memory. What do you make of this report? Well, I didn't see this coming. I have mm-hmm. to tell you, I, I I knew that there would be a report because it's required, you know, when there's a special investigation of this nature. And, and, and I knew that there would be no charges because there's no way the DOJ is going to charge a, a sitting president. That's contrary to anything we've ever seen in history. That doesn't mean he couldn't be criminally liable or hadn't committed criminal acts. But I was not surprised that they that DOJ came forth and said there will be no charges. However, I was surprised at the at the uh, candor of the language in the report that was released, not by the content. The, the content was what, you know, you and I and most Americans have come to the conclusion, which is that our inaugurated President Biden is not in full possession of his faculties. He's you know, described as, I believe, sympathetic, uh, nice elderly man with a poor memory. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably pretty accurate. You know, if you, if you set aside the, you know, wanton destruction of our nation part, I guess we could, I guess we could see him as, as, you know, be sympathetic with him as an, as an elderly man with a poor memory. So it is concerning to us as a, as the citizenry, you know, America's at a watching this, and and we have a patriotic love for our country, and that 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 transcends political affiliation or or any sort of ideological perspective. Man, we need our president to be squared away. Whether or not we believe he's the inaugurated president or the elected president, if he whoever the president of the United States is needs to be 
stable mm-hmm. and, and mentally capable. This report gives official status to a suspicion that many of us have already, you know, got our heads wrapped around. So the 25th Amendment becomes legitimate, and and those that would would have a political hesitancy to pull the trigger on the 25th Amendment, I would say that they're wrong on both sides of the aisle. If Mm -hmm. some Republicans say, well, you know, you don't want to get rid of Joe Biden through the 25th because, you know, we're stuck with with, uh, Vice President Harris, and Joe Biden is is becoming a, what we would perceive to be an easy target for for the election of President Trump for for a Republican to win the White House. I, I say that that perspective is wrong. We we need, regardless of politics, the president needs to be able to make critical decisions in a very short period of time. He can't be wandering around mentally. Um, he has to be sharp. So. When liberals say that they that we should not enact the 25th Amendment because they don't they don't want to admit what they have just secretly known, you know, mm-hmm. to the world, which is that Joe Biden is not quite there mentally. I think that's wrong. So for the same reasons, you've got to have a president capable of making uh, sharp decisions. And right now we don't have that. So all Americans should be concerned and if one of the the senior secretaries would would pull the trigger on a 25th amendment like Garland, as much as I oppose Garland and mm-hmm. and you know other senior secretaries like Mayorkas, if they would concur, then I would support that. Congressman, it feels like the Senate and the House are on different pages, perhaps not surprising when you have a Democrat-controlled Senate and a Republican majority just barely in the House. But on a critical issue like the border and securing the border, can we afford to wait until next year? Um, Legitimate question, but let me just remind your listeners, good sir, that, that the House took action eight months ago. When we mm-hmm. when we passed the Secure the Border Act of 2023, we we delivered that legislation, I believe, on May the 15th of last year. The total solution for the border, the HR2, a, a bill that I worked very hard on for almost a mm-hmm. year. Uh, we went through an 18-hour markup after many hearings and and months of work, an 18-hour grueling markup in the Homeland Security Committee, my committee, and H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act of 2023, is the total solution to our invasion at the southern border. The entire border crisis is addressed in that bill. And that bill has been gathering dust in the Senate now for eight months. So Mm -hmm. uh, it it is intellectually unsound for anyone to say that the that Congress has not acted on this. It's the Senate, strictly the Senate, under the leadership of Chuck Schumer, as guided by our inaugurated President Biden and the factions that control him. It, they're the ones that have not acted. And I am not going to sit back and accept a, a diluted, weak, border, sort of wired-together bill written by liberal staffs in the Senate 
and approved by liberal staffs working for the White House, that is not the solution to, to the invasion at the southern border. H.R. 2 is a solution. H.R. 2 is a solution. H.R. 2 is a solution. That's my answer for border security. House Republicans will have another impeachment vote for Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas set for Tuesday. Do you expect it'll pass? I do. I mean, if the if the numbers hold, it was it was an even vote. We lost Gallagher um, essentially on the and on the one yard line there, um, which those things happen. But Speaker Johnson managed it very gracefully and I spoke to him immediately after the vote and and he was he was uh unshaken he was quite strong and by the way speaker johnson is getting stronger he faces withering attack from every faction uh last week was was quite a precarious balance we knew going in so losing the gallagher vote was uh was Unfortunate, but we have Steve Scalise coming back into the into the halls of the people's house. And if the if the rest of our votes hold strong, then we should pass impeachment by one vote. And then we'll and we'll move on to the Senate and we'll see what the Senate says. There's some danger to the Senate. We'll just dismiss it. Mm -hmm. They could do that. We'll see. But we're going to force them, as we used to say in the military, we're going to smoke them out. We, we're going to force these guys to show their their hand to America. Do they stand for the security of our country? Do they will they will they use their congressional authority to actually perform to to resecure our border and that where we have lost all of our our sovereignty and you know we've had. 10, 11 million now, 11 million illegal crossings. We've had, we've had a million this year. We, we are losing our country down there. So I believe we'll pass the, the impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas uh, articles on the floor uh, this week in the House, and we'll deliver it to the Senate in special ceremony. That's the way that works. And then we'll see what the Senate does. And they better take it up. They better take it up or they're going to hear from America. Congressman Clay Higgins of the great state of Louisiana. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a great week and safe travels. Thank you, sir. God bless. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. I'm Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent and New York Times bestselling author. Join me for my brand new podcast, Searching for Heroes. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. This is David Marcus with your Fox News commentary coming up. George and Louise Dennis of Dothan, Alabama, just celebrated their 80th wedding anniversary. It says one secret of a happy marriage, tell the husband to say yes, dear. And he did when... He did say yes, 
deer when it pleased him to do so. Now, Louise, you didn't have to say all that. <laughs> George and Louise have celebrated lots of Valentine's Days together. Millions of couples will be doing the same on Wednesday. Millions of singles are still looking for love, a lot of them using dating apps on their phones with varying degrees of success. I've been an online dating coach for 17 years. I've seen the speed of dating increase dramatically and the number of people that you're communicating with, especially once you match and then you're in the DMs, it can be crushing. It can be overwhelming. Dating coach Demona Hoffman's book is called F the Fairy Tale. So I'm just about having a a an organized dating experience because that is really what will allow you to make a choice and reduce the dating burnout and overwhelm that I see today. I know that times are what the times are, but our algorithms, do you think, sort of take a... Are they taking away from the romance of, you know, being hit by lightning when you see someone or meet someone or maybe letting a friendship grow into something else? Are people trusting their phones more than their hearts, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or am I romanticizing a worse way of dating in the past? The chemistry myth is also a myth, and this idea that you're supposed to feel butterflies and be weak in the knees the moment you see your person. That is certainly a myth. And that's a story that's a remnant of dating in the past and really maybe never existed in the first place. I find online dating to be extremely efficient for my clients. And according to a recent poll by Forbes, three in 10 adults have used a dating app or site, and 70% have said that it led to a relationship. So we sort of tell the story retroactively that dating apps are a wasteland, it doesn't really work, but the numbers paint a different picture. And as somebody who's an online dating success story myself, I've, mm. I've been married for 16 years, and I, I met my husband online. I know that it works, and I've seen for my clients over the many, many years that I've been doing this, that it's consistently the most efficient way to make a connection. Uh, I mean, it used to be the outlier, people meeting on dating apps. Um, and now randomly meeting somebody at a bar, that seems like the weird, like the outlier. <laughs> yeah, I do get a lot of listeners on my podcast, Dates and Mates, that write in and say, I don't know how to approach someone in real life now. Is it is it creepy? Is it weird if I talk to someone? Do I need to then follow them on Instagram and then send them a DM? And it's we're making it too complicated. And the other thing, I look at dating as a set of learned skills. And when you don't use a skill, when you don't work a muscle, it starts to atrophy. So I do see coming out of the pandemic that a lot of us were in our own homes. We were not having that face-to-face -face interaction. And it's just a, a muscle that we need to spend a little time working on. Yeah, because even if you meet somebody in the new, the newish way, um, at some point you are going to have to go face-to-face -face and try to be not uncharming. Yes, that is the point, Chris, because people feel like dating apps aren't romantic and they're not supposed to be romantic. The romance and the true connection comes when you get offline. The, the dating apps are just the connection point. And whether you meet through friends, as you said, or you meet at a bar, it's really about that, that connection that you can build when you see someone face to face. Let's talk about sort of different arrangements now in love that are becoming more uh, more common, maybe more accepted. For example, living apart together is a thing um, where people to an extreme may be married and live in different homes or live far apart or, or maybe just or, or maybe just have different bedrooms. 
Yes, this is a trend. It was popularized a few years ago. There was a big New York Times piece about it. And then I suddenly started getting tons of questions from Dates and Mates listeners about how can I make this happen? It's it's still relatively small. However, I'm all about people having options and knowing that, as I say in F the Fairy Tale, you can rewrite the dating myths and you can live your own love story. So that's an option, especially we were seeing the trend among older daters, you know, people who already have their life set. They have their social circle set. They maybe have their uh, home and finances and possibly grown kids. And there isn't that same pull as for 20 something daters that are looking for someone to build a home and a life with. However, in the last couple of years, we're actually seeing this trend catch on with younger daters who are realizing that they don't have to do dating and relationships the same way their parents did or their grandparents did. They get to do it their own way. Well, speaking of do it, doing it your own way, um, how about polyamory? Um, how about it? <laughs> again, again, something that's become more acceptable, maybe not to everybody, but to more people. Um, how is it working? Um, or, or is it as messy as some people suspect, or do some of these relationships actually work out like a traditional marriage? Well, I've been tracking polyamory for a few years. And from what I hear from those in consensual, non-monogamous relationships, that for them, it does work. It works better, but it really comes down to communication. There was a recent study that 59% of adults are open to non-monogamous relationships. But here's the reality, Chris. Only about one in nine Americans have actually been in a polyamorous relationship. So it's possible that the fantasy isn't yeah. quite in alignment with reality. Well, it's one thing to kick it around in your head like, hey, this might be kind of fun. But then when the rubber hits the road, people may find it a little more daunting or, or, or complicated. Um What's artificial intelligence going to do with all this? Is is it just going to improve the apps? Is it just going to be integrated in the dating apps? It's going to revolutionize everything. We're already seeing this. About a year ago, singles hardly had heard of AI. Now we're seeing that singles are using AI to write their dating profile and also to craft their first messages. I even heard a story this week about a guy who used an AI model to sort through matches, to message women, to get to the first date. And he just got engaged to someone he met a year ago. So I, I'm a big fan of AI. I know there's a lot of fear around it because it's something new and something unknown. Just like when I started online dating, there was a lot of fear around that. I got like three calls from my mother the first the first time I was on an online date because she thought that I was uh, going to be abducted or right. something. And we now we've become more comfortable with online dating. And I think we will also become more comfortable with integrating AI into our daily lives and especially into our communications inclusive of dating. I would imagine that in this more and more polarized politically polarized world, it's going to be harder and harder. You're, you're going to find people that don't care about politics, but I imagine that it, it's harder to find a couple. Eh, you know, I I voted for I voted for Clinton. I voted for whoever. Um, and it doesn't really matter to us. Oh, yes. Politics has become a real hot button issue. When I started coaching, it was maybe the seventh or eighth most important thing, political alignment. And I would say, don't even talk about politics on a first date. Now we're seeing, especially among younger singles, like Gen Z singles are saying they want to talk about politics on a first date, that that kind of debate excites them. And 
we are seeing that people really want someone who has political alignment. I do caution my clients, though, because we make assumptions that if somebody votes the same way that we do, that means that they share all of their goals and all of their values. But politics are not necessarily a direct proxy for a belief system. So I'm all about really getting to know someone and going beyond just that label. We've talked a lot about dating. What about people that are are married and have been married for a while and now, you know, it's Valentine's Day and I which I know is supposed, you know, supposed to be the day that you go out and, you know, treat your spouse like your date. Um but do you do you talk to clients after they're married about keeping it uh about keeping the love alive there? Oh, 100%. And I I believe just what you said that you have to continue to date your spouse, not just on Valentine's Day, Chris, but all throughout the year. So I coach people on finding ways to infuse that enthusiasm, that creativity, that energy that you had when you originally met. You sometimes have to be a little bit more mindful and create those moments. But if you are both committed to one another and to making those moments happen, then it can be magical. And one thing you tell clients is forget about happily ever after. There's no there's no soulmates. You want to bring people's expectations, not down, but different. Well, I just want to clarify. The book is called F the Fairy Tale, not because I don't believe that you can have a successful, beautiful relationship as I've had for the last the last 20 years that I've known my husband. However, I believe that we need to examine our expectations and rewrite some of these stories that maybe are remnants of our family history, of society, of culture, and of our past relationships. We we have to set those aside because if you are chasing this idea of a soulmate, one perfect person out there who's just going to walk into your life and like the movies, they're going to sweep you off your feet and you'll live happily ever after, then you're not going to be willing to do the work. And when things get tough, you're going to start questioning. Well, but there are speed bumps. There are things we need to discuss. Is this person my soulmate? And what I want people to remember is that you choose your soulmate. You choose that person every day and you have to be willing to step into that. I I hate to say work because I don't think relationships are work, but that mindfulness when you choose a partner. Tamona Hoffman's a dating expert, has been for, what, 17 years, you said now, and author of uh, the book called F the Fairy Tale. Tamona, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Tuesday, residents of New York's 3rd Congressional District head to the polls in a special election to replace George Santos. The former congressman was expelled by the House in December over various lies he told on the campaign trail, as well as federal indictments alleging campaign finance fraud. Also on Tuesday, the streets of New Orleans will be packed with revelers for the last official day before Lent, Mardi Gras. And after Mardi Gras comes Wednesday, Ash Wednesday to be exact, when Christians began the 40-day season of sacrifice before Easter. But if penance isn't your style, Wednesday is also Valentine's Day. Economists anticipate Americans spending a record $14 billion. Thursday, a hearing in Georgia is aimed at determining if the rumored romantic relationship between Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and the lead prosecutor in the election interference case against former President Trump, Nathan Wade, is improper. Willis calls the allegations against her and Wade reckless. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Tom Graham, Fox News. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. David Marcus. What's on your mind? Politics, they say, makes for strange bedfellows. If so, regarding former President Donald Trump, the sleeping arrangements can be downright bizarre, as rapper 50 Cent and comedian Michael Rapaport showed us this past week. Both celebs came out with statements that were not just supportive of Trump, but supportive on exactly the same issue— the migrant crisis that is choking the life out of New York City. 50 Cent, otherwise known as Curtis James Jackson III, put his two cents in on Gotham's harebrained scheme to give migrants $53 million in prepaid debit cards. And he's not a fan. Taking to Instagram, the ripped rapper wrote, quote, WTF, Mayor Adams, call my phone. I don't understand how this works. Somebody explain, end quote, adding, maybe Trump is the answer. Mr. Jackson has now forgiven Mayor Adams, which is gracious of him, and wants answers from New York Governor Kathy Hochul instead. He's getting closer, but the real culprit here is Joe Biden. And that's why the rapper is taking a good, long look at another son of Queens, New York, Donald Trump. Now, in fairness, Fiddy did come out in support of Trump in 2020, citing taxes. But this focus on the migrant crisis overwhelming the city is worth considering. Meanwhile, former Boston public star Michael Rapaport was, shall we say, a bit more colorful in his assessment, as is often his way. Quote, voting for Pig D, Donald Trump is on the table, end quote, he brayed in his usual manic style. Surely uh, this will not rank among the most eloquent of political endorsements in history, but it may be one of the most dramatic, given that for five years now, Rapaport has regularly railed against Trump with cursing that would make Richard Pryor blush. But can either of these red carpet denizens be blamed for their outrage at the migrant situation in the Big Apple? Police officers are being assaulted by the beneficiaries of New Yorkers' largesse and not even posting bail to strut back on the streets. Children have been displaced from their schools, playgrounds, and pools. Homeless veterans have lost housing. And now we are presented with this insane idea to hand out tens of millions in free loaded ATM cards. This is obvious and abject madness, and it might represent a tipping point. What makes all of this so utterly destructive to the Biden campaign is that lacking any achievements and floundering in the polls, hatred and fear of Trump has become the entire strategy. One assumes Biden's reticence to clamp down on the border is born of a desire to appease the left of the Democrat Party. But if 50 Cent and Michael Rappaport aren't on the left, then who is? Chairman Mao? Have the Democrat mayors of New York, Chicago, Boston, Denver, and every other city with two or more pro sports teams suddenly turned into right-wing Republicans because they oppose Bidenville tent cities in their towns? There's no passing the buck here, Mr. President. No whining that Congress won't give you a leather-bound omnibus of comprehensive immigration reform, and there is one very simple reason why. Donald Trump, when in office, presided over a vastly more secure southern border with exactly the same authorities that Joe Biden has now. And everybody knows it. No, 
50 Cent and Michael Rappaport are exactly right. The chaos caused by millions flooding the nation illegally lies squarely and solely at the feet of President Biden. Perhaps what is most amazing is that Biden still has access to every single tool Trump used to secure the border, from the Remain in Mexico policy to building walls. He just refuses to do it. Perhaps this criticism from celebrities will help to wake Joe Biden up to the catastrophe of his own making, but it's doubtful. No, it seems clear today that the only thing that can stop Biden's border disaster is defeat in November. And even Michael Rappaport, the source of Trump insults and all, seems almost on board with that plan. I'm David Marcus, author of Charade, The COVID Lies That Crushed the Nation. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.